Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the creator and hostess of the podcast, which is for authors and writers looking for more information about the publishing process, writing, um, editing, uh, all things really the literary world. So thanks for tuning in. Um, it airs every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other channels. Today, we do have a very special guest. Um, he is the editor of the Daily Record and the Rochester Business Journal. He's been in that role for four years, but he tr recently transitioned to the associate publisher of both of those publications. He is a 2002 graduate of the University of Rochester, and he spent 20 years in various writing and editing roles in the journalism industry. He's spearheading collaborative team efforts with the RBJ and the Daily Record, um, launched new initiatives, including events and custom products, um, to a new webinar series and Rochester Biz Conversations, which often partners with community leaders. He's an avid runner and rock climbing enthusiast who cherishes family time with his wife, Trinity, and their four children. And he is a city resident and is bullish on Rochester's future. He is looking forward to moving through the pandemic and will continue to experiment with new offerings to meet the needs of local businesses and the legal community for the Daily Record and Rochester Business Journal. Today's guest is Ben Jacobs. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. Thank you for having me. I'm happy uh, to be here. Yes, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Um, and just to give a background to our audience, Ben and I recorded uh, previously, but we didn't really record. So <laughs> we're uh, taking another um, another stab at it, and this time we'll get it right. So thanks again, Ben, for your patience and uh, being willing to re-record. So um, as you know, we have um, primarily authors and writers um, who are in the audience. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your background and what led you into journalism. Sure. So like, like you said, I went to the University of Rochester and I uh, initially didn't go there with any intention of being a, a writer or, or an editor. I was uh, originally going to major in math um, and changed my mind partway through college and, and decided to do something different and ended up going to journalism and UR doesn't really have a, a full journalism program. So I just took the courses they had and, and was fortunate to get a part-time job while I was there at the Democrat and Chronicle working in the sports department. So I was able to do a little bit of writing here and there as part of that. You know, there was a, it was what you'd expect a part-time college job to be answering a lot of phones, um, typing up stuff, things, things that aren't real exciting, but, um, you know, during the high school playoff seasons, we would get to go cover sporting events. Mm -hmm. So it was a good way to get, get started. And then I moved on to being a full-time reporter in Ithaca, uh, still covering sports. And then I moved to Tallahassee and did part uh, sports reporting and part copy editing for a couple of years. And then uh, came back to Rochester, went back to the Democrat and Chronicle as a copy editor, and then worked my way up to other editor roles and did that until 2016. That's when I moved over to the Daily Record and became editor there. And then shortly after became editor of the Rochester Business Journal as well. So. Yeah. Yes, and I know that you mentioned um, that your intention was to major in math, but then you pivoted. So what would you recommend to our listeners who are maybe feeling discouraged because the goal they had in mind, um, they've decided to change it? 
So you can't you can't be completely locked in on anything in life. I don't think you always have to be ready for the possibility that that your plans might change, what what you're able to do might change, your circumstances might change. Um, whether it's you know what you're going to major in in college, what you're going to do for a career, what your family life situation is going to be like, you know, change is inevitable and and if you're if you're too locked in on something and you're not willing to to even think about the possibility that might change at some point it's it's going to make it harder for you if if you do have to change so just always be open to the the idea that you know whatever you're doing and whatever part of your life it is it might not be forever it might not be permanent and you might need to try some new stuff at some point yes i definitely agree flexibility is important in really all aspects of life um, especially your career, because you never know, you know, what direction you'll go in. So thank you, Ben, for making myself and the audience feel better about that, because sometimes that can be discouraging, but it's a part of life. So I know that you said that you worked, um, you know, in the sports in industry and, co well, covering sports um, more so, and then you transitioned into Democrat and Chronicle. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Democrat and Chronicle? We have audi our audience, you know, spans the globe, so they may not know what that is. And in addition to that, how covering sports, um, how you were able to transfer those skills to working with the Democrat and Chronicle. Sure. So my, my transition from sports to other areas was kind of gradual. I, um, you know, through my part-time job at the Democratic Chronicle and then my job at Ithaca and in Tallahassee, I was really focused almost exclusively on sports. Um, in Tallahassee, I started to, to do a little bit of editing of other types of stories, um, but really it was mostly on sports and it, it wasn't even necessarily intentional that I that I shifted out of sports. Um, the newspaper industry has changed a lot over over the years. Um, and you know, for those who are listening who, who aren't familiar, the Democrat and Chronicle is the, the main daily newspaper in Rochester. And so most newspapers used to have a, a different copy desk. Like the copy desk is you know the copy editors and and other types of editors who take the stories from the reporters and turn them into what you see in publication. Um, and it used to be that each department, sports, features, business, news, would have a different copy desk. So there would be a sports copy desk and a news copy desk and a business copy desk. That's, for most publications, that's the thing of the past. Most publications don't have a different copy desk dedicated to each department. It's now if you have a copy desk at all, it's it's one copy desk for the, the whole editorial department. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Tallahassee, it was still split. That was 15 years ago, showing, showing how old I'm getting. <laughs> but um, so Tallahassee did have a, a copy desk just for the sports section. And so that's what I worked on. I, I was primarily a, a sports copy editor. And then I also did some reporting on the Florida State baseball team and a couple other things um, as I had time. But I was really only working on sports. And then when I came back to Rochester, um, by that point, the Democrat Chronicle had what is called a universal copy desk, which is that all the copy editors work on 
the entire paper. Um, so I still read sports stories. I still edited sports content, but I also did news stories and business stories and feature stories. And, um, you know, there was just a, the full mix of, of what a newspaper like the Democratic Chronicle publishes. I, I was involved in all of it at that point. Um, and so that kind of gave me exposure to a lot of uh, different things and um, got me more interested in, in news and politics and business. And that kind of led me down the path to where I was able to, to take over the roles that I have now. That's awesome. Thank you for giving us that background. So I know that you mentioned um, you had focused on copy editing. And again, we, we have some in the audience who are looking to go into editing. So do you mind just giving them a summary of what the copy editing process uh, looks like or a summary of what it is? Sure, so it's, it's mostly um, checking stories for grammatical errors, style errors, spelling errors, um, factual errors, in any sort of inconsistencies, um, and, and making sure everything that's in the story is as accurate as it can be and is written the way it should be. Mm -hmm. um, frequently copy editors um, are expected to write the headlines for the stories as well. So that's a, you know, a skill that a lot of copy editors have to develop. Um, but it, it's really, you just need to, you need to be really strong on, on grammar, spelling, style, and you need to have a really sharp eye for when there's something missing. Right, for sure. Thanks for that uh, background. I mean, I agree. And, and for our audience, there are different types of editing. So that's why I wanted Ben to really, um, you know, specify what copy editing is. So thank you for that background information, Ben. And for those in the audience who are interested in pursuing editing, are there any resources or courses um, or anything that you have used that's been helpful in um, defining your craft or helping you become a better editor? Yeah, so I mean, the AP style book is something that I refer, that I've, you know, throughout my career have referred to and I still refer to it frequently. Um, there are other style books, you know, a lot of publications follow AP style. Um, some publications follow other styles. Some publications have their own in-house style. Um, but the AP style book is, is pretty widely recognized and pretty widely used. So that's a, if you're looking to, to figure out how words should be used that are, can be confusing, that's a good place to start. Um, just uh, getting a mentor who can, you know, help you um, figure out like where you're strong and, and where you might not be so strong and can help you improve on those things. I've, I've had a, a number of mentors, mentors throughout my career who have, you know, given me tips and um, helped me to, you know, figure out how to do certain things a little bit better than, um, than I was doing them. So that, that, um, that personal engagement that you, that you can get from a mentor mentee relationship is really important. Yes. I agree, mentors are, are very important. So um, how did you go about finding your mentors? It's mostly through just my, my career and through my um, 
where I was employed, I was fortunate to, when I started the DNC, have a number of people who were really strong editors and or writers who, who were interested in, in helping me develop as a, as a writer and editor. Um, and, you know, I talked to them a lot about the craft and, and learned from them and what, you know, listening to them and watching them do their work. Um, so, you know, if you can work in a place that has other really talented people that just being, being surrounded by people who are, who are really good at something can help, help you get better at it as well because you, you see how they do it and you learn from them. Definitely. Yes, I agree. So uh, for those of you who are, you know, working either freelance, you know, you can find other freelance editors or freelance writers to help you um, and mentor you. And again, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be in the same location. You can find virtual mentors. So there's so many resources. You can use LinkedIn. Um, there's a lot of different, um, you know, Facebook and social media groups where you can connect with each other. So I definitely recommend um, pursuing mentors informally and formally. Um, it will definitely make you a better writer and a better editor, um, even a better reader. So I definitely recommend um, mentoring in some capacity for sure. So for you, Ben, what is your favorite and least favorite part of um, being an editor of a, of a, of a traditional publication? So my, my favorite part is just how, how different it is and how um, interesting the, the day always is. I'm, I'm, never, I'm never bored at my job. There's always something that I'm working on. There's always things that I'm trying to figure out, um, questions that I'm trying to answer, things that I'm planning. Um, and it's, it's, you know, there's some things that, you know, I do every day or most days, but even those things, it's not, it's not exactly the same way every day. And it's, it's not the same stories every day. And it's um, just, there's just always something new that I'm encountering. And there's always something that I'm working on. And I'm, I'm not ever, I'm never sitting at my computer at um, noon, wishing that it would be five o'clock. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I'm sitting at my computer at, at five o'clock, wishing it was still noon. So I mm -hmm. had more time to get more work done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear that. Um, we know that unfortunately not everyone has that experience in their job. So I'm glad that you uh, really enjoy that. So on the other side of the coin, what um, would you say is your least favorite part of, of being an editor? So I, as much as I enjoy the, the fast paced nature of it, 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 it is um, a lot to keep track of. I, uh, I get more emails than I, than I know what to do with sometimes. So that's Keep, keeping up with email is probably my, my least favorite thing. I, it's important and I, I love the interaction that I have with people in the community and, and um, I love getting emails and and discussing options that you know people are emailing me about, story ideas, tips, things like that. Um, but it also can can really break up your concentration if you're, you're trying to work on a story or work on planning and something and then you get an email, have to answer that, and then try to remember where you were in this other task. Um, I know that there's, I probably should take a, a class on, on how to manage, manage email better throughout my day, but yeah, it yeah. is um, something that, that is a, takes a lot of time and, and figuring out how to, how to 
get back to everybody on a timely basis without letting it completely derail the other things I have to do is, is something that I sometimes struggle with a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that, um, especially now that mostly everything's virtual. So you can't walk down the hall to your to your colleague. So you have to utilize email and that <laughs> you get lots of emails. I'm sure you get plenty. Um, so thank you for, for being transparent about that. Um, so another question that I have is regarding um, actually the other side of editing, which is writing. Is that something that you have um, is that a, a hobby or something that you've ever, you know, indulged in on a personal side? I've never really done it on a, on a personal side in terms of like just writing for myself or, mm -hmm. or writing to, you know, try to write a book or, mm -hmm. or write a story or anything. Mm -hmm. um, all, pretty much all the writing I've done has either been, you know, for school or for a job. Um, and I, I enjoy writing and I, I don't, I don't do a lot of it anymore because I'm just, so busy with everything else that's involved in my job but I, you know I still I still do some here and there and I I enjoy it for the most part when I do it but it's um it's definitely not my my top focus anymore mm -hmm. and um you know maybe at some point down the road when when I have a, a little less craziness going on in my life I might think about writing for pleasure uh a little bit but you know at this stage it's it's just not something that's at the the top of my priority list Right, right. I get it. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, you know, it takes time and you have to be focused and dedicated. So I can understand that. So um, being an editor, I know that you know the importance of literacy um, and reading and writing, but um, what is your perspective on how we can improve that, especially with the youth um, and get them to be you know, more engaged in reading and writing and see the value in that. Um, I know you have a family of your own. So if there are, you know, tips that you have on how you get your children to do more reading and writing, um, I would love to hear that. That's a great question. And I, I don't know that I have any any secret answers. Um, I, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I, I have two daughters and, and I have two stepchildren. Uh, and my daughter's all of the kids really like to read. My, my daughters have just kind of always naturally read. Um, my older daughter actually, uh, if anything, reads too much, which mm -hmm. sounds crazy, but uh, she'll she'll read while walking downstairs and I keep worrying that she's going to miss a step and mm -hmm. fall down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've just been really lucky that my, my kids have always had a, a real passion for reading. And mm -hmm. um, I haven't really had to work to, to get them to, to open a book or to, okay. to work on that. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm just lucky in that regard, but I, I agree with you getting, getting kids interested in reading at a young age is vital because you really develop a lot of your reading and comprehension skills when, when you're young. And, and if you're not exposed to, to reading, you know, early on in life, it, it can be a lot harder to catch up later on. Yes, for sure. And reading, you know, is fundamental, literally. I mean, there's there's not much you can do in life without being able to read. And if you if you are illiterate or you struggle with reading, it does make life that much harder. Um, I will say that for myself, I did, um, you know, when I was young, I had the, the passion for reading and writing. So I used to do, I used to participate in the Book It program. 
or you would read the books and get the free personal pan at FITOT. Um, and I was excited to find out they do still have that program. So I think initiatives like that um, really, you know, <laughs> motivate you to, to read more or even reading contests. Um, I attended Nazareth Academy, so we had mandatory summer reading. But at that point, you know, I had been doing the Book It program, you know, since elementary school, so it didn't bother me. But um, I do think that, you know, programs like Book It and um, other initiatives that schools have can be a way that we get, you know, our youth more excited about reading and writing. And then I also was subscribed to Highlights Foundation Magazine. I don't know if you're familiar with Highlights, but I remember reading that when I was younger and, you know, doing the activities in the, in the, in the magazine. So I think that's another resource for those of you out there who may have children who um, struggle with reading or don't like reading. Um, there are resources out there and I recommend that you you know, do a Google search and make sure that, you know, the information that you are accessing is valid and it's accurate, but there are a lot of resources. So if you're looking just, um, those are two that I can think of off the top of my head. So yeah, I would, then for, oh, go I ahead. would say that if, if you've got a, a kid who is really not eager to read and, and never, never makes an effort to, to read unless, unless you're forcing them to, right. um, just, there's so many different types of books and, and types of things that, that people can read. I would say don't don't get get too focused on, on it has to be, you know, this certain type of book. Right. Um, it can be a graphic novel, it can be a, a choose your own adventure thing, it can be whatever. If you've got a kid who's not reading at all, anything that they're anything that they're willing to read and be excited about reading is yes. better than nothing. So if you, if you can get them excited about reading a graphic novel, Get them some graphic novels and, and once they get used to that then they might start getting interested in other things but they're never going to start reading or, or reading a lot if, if they never find something that just sparks something that makes them want to pick up the book on their own yes and i agree with that um nobody wants to be bored when they're reading so um i think some of it is maybe the, the books in the curriculum in schools isn't entertaining enough for the students or um, not things that they're interested in. And then another component also is that if the students don't see themselves in their books, then they're typically disinterested. Um, I remember being in elementary school and having um, books with characters that didn't look like me, um, which made me less inclined to read those books. Um, I will say that I have seen a growth in that. I'm really excited about that that we do have more books that are more reflective of, of the racial composition of our country and also you know, embracing different cultures and things like that. So it's gotten better, but um, I remember being, being that student like, well, where are the kids that look like me or where are the adults that look like me? So um, I think that's another important thing we need to consider and parents, um, you know, you can take that in your own hands. You can buy your, your books for your own children. You don't have to only rely on the books from school. But um, that's just another observation that I made. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Ben? Or I would just say, I, I think you know it's it's important for for people to see characters who 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 they identify with in books. But it, it's also important, you know, for for people like my daughter, who you know she's she's a, a white girl, and there's mm -hmm. plenty of books that yes. have have white girls in them. But it's important yeah. for her to also see characters who are not like her. She. I agree with you that it's, it's gotten better. The, the book subjects have gotten more mm -hmm. diverse in recent years. And she loves reading books about, you know, mm -hmm. people from other cultures and other backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, she always finds it really interesting. And so yeah. it's, 
you're doing you're doing both you're, you're doing everybody a disservice if, if all the books have characters that look the same yes um the people who aren't like those characters don't see themselves yeah and the people who are like those characters never see anything else and don't know what else is out there exactly uh thank you so much for bringing up that other that other component because that is often overlooked and people do have conversations, you know, asking for characters that look like themselves. But we also um, tend to forget that it also has a negative impact on, um, on, on the larger society as a whole. Like you said, um, white people who are only reading about white people, um, that has a negative impact too. So thank you for bringing up um, that side of, of that perspective. I appreciate that. I'm always open to hearing other people's um, you know, perspectives and opinions on that. So I really appreciated that. And that enlightened me. So I'll have to do some more research on that. Um, so another, another thing that I enjoy doing. Um, so I know that you have talked a little bit about copy, copyright editing. Are there any types of other editing that you've done? So, I mean, I, I started out as a copy editor. Um, and then once, you know, once I'd moved into you know, other editing roles that, you know, there's a, a variety of things editors do in newspapers and um, I've pretty much done most of them at this point. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about what copy editors do, but, you know, there's also editors who are involved in, in working with the reporters and, and planning out what the coverage is going to be. Um, workers who are editors who work with reporters to, you know, once you've decided what, what you're going to, what a story is going to be about, some stories are important enough or big enough that you have kind of pre um, coverage meetings to, to talk about, all right, how are we going to tackle this topic? How, what are we going to focus on? Who are we going to talk to? How, how do we think we might structure it? Um, you know, when you, when the reporters are working on a story early on in the process, they might, the, the copy editors usually at the end of the story, once the story is pretty much done, um, but there are other editors who will read stories earlier on to maybe help structure better, to mm -hmm. give some feedback on, you know, if something's missing in the story or, you know, you need to go get some more information about a certain thing. Um, so that there's, just a, a lot of different aspects to editing for a journalism publication. Mm -hmm. I kind of played around in, in, in most of that stuff at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Awesome, yeah. So, um, well, Bennett mentioned, you know, structural changes and also, you know, building out detail and giving more information, answering questions, making your, sure you're connecting with your target audience. So that consists of, that's developmental editing, and that's what I do, but I edit for books. So again, we would ask the questions of, you know, what does this mean if something is vague? Um, if you have the same reveal in two places in your book, those are the types of things I would be looking for. Um, if you use a word that maybe your audience won't know, I might ask you to define it. Or if you have a lot of words that are jargon, I might suggest that you have a glossary at the back of your book. So um, that's more of what I do. And I do that for books. So for audience members who um, might want a little bit more information about that, that's another type of editing that does exist. So 
Um, yeah, Ben, so I, I really appreciated hearing about your background. Um, is there anything else, um, last words of encouragement or anything you would like to share with our listeners who might be looking to become editors? I would just say, you know, whatever you're, you're hoping to do in your career, you know, in terms of writing or editing, just try to stick with it as, as much as you can, you know, do, if you, if you have a, a job in that field, try to learn as much as you can. If, you know, if there's training opportunities that your company offers, take advantage of them. Uh, if you're trying to find a job and haven't, haven't found one, try to do freelancing until you can land a full-time job, you know, or you can always be, be just doing some writing or editing on your own just to, to work on your skills um, until you're able to find something that, that is, you know, part of your career. But um, always be trying to work on your craft. You can't get better at something if you're just sitting around and not, and not doing it. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't say, I want to be an editor and then just wait until somebody gives you an editing job. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you don't have one already, you just need to keep doing things that will help you work on those language skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about reading, but even for, for adults, read as much as you can. Um, the more you can read a good authors, good writers, good reporters, um, the more you'll learn about what good writing looks like and, and how to be a good writer yourself or how to, to edit writers so that their work is best it can be. Yes, definitely. I agree with that. So um, take initiative. That's that's what I I gleaned from that. Um, And don't wait around for, you know, something to come to you. There are so many resources available. So um, you can make it happen yourself. So um, feel encouraged to do that. So Ben, if uh, someone wanted to get in touch with you, either to learn more about a Rochester Business Journal, the Daily Record, or maybe about your background, if they have other questions for you, how can they reach out to you? Sure. So as I said, I get, I get a lot of email, but I'm happy <laughs> to get more. Uh, so my email address is bjacobs at bridgetowermedia.com. Uh, and anybody can feel free to, to email me there and uh, I will get back as, as quickly as I can to any email I get. Okay. Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate your time and um, you sharing your knowledge and information with myself and also the audience. Um, Thank you all for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. Again, it airs every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a few other channels. Uh, Thanks again so much, everyone. Uh, Be safe and be well. Thank you. I'm Mache. I'm Quintel. Ghost Ghost Readers. readers. Well, we are a husband and wife dynamic duo whose sole purpose... Why are you knocking on the door? I told you mommy and daddy were doing something. Whose sole purpose is to allow the black author to bring the voice in their head... Just do Figure it out on your own. Bring the voice in their head to life and add soul to their words. (laughs) I'm coming down there. This is so unprofessional. You can find the show everywhere you get your podcasts. Ghost Readers Podcast.